Every day you wake up, you got a shot. Whether you take it or not, that's going to be up to you. But definitely, if someone wants to see this podcast, I would tell them, and they're struggling, every day they wake up, they got a chance. A lot of people do things for paychecks these days. So whenever I see people that do stuff and they have a passion for it, it makes me more happy. Hold your applause, I ain't done yet. Immortality got me weary since Kobe died. I got this watch on my arm, but I'll never know my time. So my focus lies in my work, which got me in overdrive. I can't break for a day. I'm in a maze of my mind. I can't make an escape. Alright, so we back at decoding two sides of the system. I'm here with Tylea. She's a drug and alcohol counselor, has her own practice with her own nonprofit. I mean, constantly like helping out a lower income family. So I'm very, very excited to meet her and uh, have her on. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. For sure. So I kind of just, I want to start off. What made you want to work with like lower income families? I think that I kind of had a passion of working with families that came from somewhat similar to the same struggle that I came from, right? So that passion led me to just, I want to work with folks that don't necessarily have a voice for themselves, right? So with that being said, it just, working with this population, it's something that I'm used to, right? Because I'm used to being around this population. I've grown up around this population all my life. That's what's up. I think because obviously this is a mental health podcast and I always think about lower income families and uh, we kind of had this talk whenever we had met, but just how the mental part of the mental health thing of them not having the resources or even just not even have the money, but also just not the understanding to realize like how mentally impacted they are, you know, from depression or it could be, you know, from anxiety or stress that they don't have bills or stuff. So it kind of just warms me up to know that, you know, you wanted to help those type of families. And my second question would be to that is like, whenever you first started helping them, what did you first realize? Like most of these families are so behind on this or, or that. Like, like what, Yeah, no, totally. I think when I first started, I noticed that there was a disconnection with a lot of professionals that are not so much as the same race mm-hmm. with these families that I'm working with. Right. And when I say like a disconnect, I mean, there was a kind of a lack of understanding of what their needs were. Right. Because it's hard to say, hey, I I know that you're struggling here and you need X, Y, Z when you have never had to be in that position before. Right. And what I mean by that is that when we work with families who are like who have food insecurities with my staff, with myself, you have to ask yourself, like, have you ever been hungry, like hungry to the point where you're like, I don't even know what to do at this point. Right. So those families, what we've noticed, what we were noticing is like. It, there was a connection. There was there wasn't um, the connection somehow was lost with a lot of these agencies. They didn't know how to get it, where to get it, how to sign up for it, right? And it just it's a real humanistic feeling. Like I want to help this person, like as if I would want to be helped, right? So that's where a lot of that stems from. And just being able to identify like this population is not getting the due justice as far as the resources that are out there, not Mm -hmm. being able to connect with those. And and it's puzzling a lot of the times. Well, it definitely sounds like it's hard. What are some things like within that that you experienced that like kind of broke your heart from Mm -hmm. it could be from the standpoint from like the mental standpoint of just somebody like not realizing how much they need therapy or just somebody like not realizing how far in they are of stress or anxiety or anything of those levels? So I work with the most of the population I work with have some type of substance addiction, right? Okay. So when we talk about substance addiction, a lot of the times the piece that's missing in treating that substance addiction is also the mental health piece. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for um, an individual to say like, hey, I'm using the substance, but I also need help, right, with anxiety, depression, and X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Some of the cases that I see, especially that touch my heart, would have to be the guys or ladies who come out of the prison system, mm-hmm. being that they may go in there with an addiction, right? And they may not necessarily get to get into the drug court or get into the treatment program that they have there, right? So here we are with this person who's been in jail for however long, gets out, ends up right back where they were or worse off because they never received that type of treatment. And then we also say like, okay, so what's going on with the mental health side of it? I know I know, for my own opinion, and this is simply my own opinion, 
addiction, I feel that addiction stems from either physical pain or emotional pain, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of the times when I talk to my clients and they're, you know, they're either, they just want to treat the addiction. They want to get over the addiction, right? But I tell them it's a holistic approach. You've got to get the mental health piece it has to be a wrapped up package, right? Eating right, exercising, treating the substance, and also treating the mental health part of it. Right, man, I totally agree. And I like how you said just the definition of that, like, which is not the definition, but you know, the emotional and the, yeah. the other side of pain. So I, I definitely agree with that. And just like the people that I know, uh, people that's coming out of like being incarcerated, like I have family and like my main advice to people that I talk to, even if it's for friends or something, is you got to believe in whatever foundation you have for yourself in order to get you back on your road. Like you can't just say, oh, this is my problem. I'm going, I'm going to attack it, not knowing it's the steps. The mm-hmm. steps come from the mental health and also just somebody learning you and teaching you just how to lay a brick at a time, yeah. you know, like I kind of phrase it to where when somebody is saying that they're addicted to something or they can't let something go, I'm like, well, there's no way you can just get in a car and drive exactly at the destination where you know where to go if you have no history of knowing what it takes mm-hmm. to get there. Absolutely. It sounds good to do it, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, there's miles to go in the car. You got to take mm-hmm. off these. You got to get off the road. You got to do so. All that go- coexists with you getting to your goal. And my thing is it has to be layered by somebody to help you walk in the or drive driving on the right path so i most definitely agree with that i think as far as the as far as like people being incarcerated how how do mostly people take into account how much they need mental health they don't oh okay they don't and especially in our culture because it's not talked about right a lot of times if you grew up in a household where your mental health and if you are going through any type of mental health crises or or those symptoms are showing and you had someone as a caregiver who paid attention to that and nourished that and helped you figure that out you were blessed right but a lot of us don't come from that we come from spaces where we don't talk about therapy we don't talk about what it looks like to be depressed right depression girl you don't get up and go do something with yourself you see what i mean so we have all of these ways of being these strong ass people, but no clear cut way of how to really take care of self when it comes to things like the mental health aspect of it, right? So like when, when I get clients and, and they have no idea, sometimes I have to define what it looks like, those mental health issues that may be coming up when we're going through an intake or we're going through, you know, an assessment. And I'm asking, and it's not just the, the what is it, the PHQ-9, which I despise, but that's my own opinion, <laughs> right? Where you're just kind of going through these, did you feel yeah, bad today? Yeah. How many days today did you yeah. feel? You know what I mean? Instead, yeah. it's asking them questions like, how long was you on the couch watching Netflix? Right. Mm-hmm. Did you not eat today? What made you not want to eat? Right. You've got to be able to pull that information because many people, they don't know what it looks like. They think that it's damn near normal. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? And I think I'm just going two things that you said. First off, in our culture, mm-hmm. I think it's it is so crazy that we don't prioritize mental health whenever we need it the most with people dying, with mm-hmm. you got a uh, car. Uh, racial profiling with cops uh you have women women being abused women not even getting the right rights and stuff like that Mm -hmm. in our community and from both sides like it's hard to be a black woman it's hard to be a black man Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so i just i find it crazy in that most of our population or race we have the stigma of we come from the gutter or we come from the trenches you know what i'm saying Mm so it's just crazy to me that all that goes into there with the shootings the killings the drugs and just everything that's around those areas that mental health is not in our culture more than the, uh, any other culture in the no. world to me yeah. because and we need it is daily you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. i 100% agree with you with that the second thing i want to talk about is i totally agree to when you said the assessment and i hate especially being in psychology and uh, i hate when people talk to people from a checklist oh yeah and they ask them a checklist questions and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> You, you got to understand because people are not going to be so receptive to talk to you, to open up to you if you're just mm-hmm. treating them like they're a piece of paper. So you got this. this. Mm-hmm. And the questions that you ask people, you can ask a question that really might open up mm-hmm. to the lane of really what you need to be getting mm-hmm. into instead of just going off of a checklist. So I I totally agree with that as well because but what, people are not machines. People are actually people. And most right. people don't want to talk about, you know, the hard things that they mm-hmm. go 
going through. So mm-hmm. that's already vulnerability right there. Mm-hmm. So whenever people do that and I'm around, I'm like, I wouldn't do that. But right. if that's how you like, why would I tell you anything if you just like, I wouldn't talk to you if you yeah. if you were telling me some qualifications that I needed for something, you just doing this and I'm going to look at you like, okay, and not yeah. To, not, and not to mention, you've got to mm-hmm. answer these questions. You only got like about an hour and a half. Right. So I need you to sum up all of your trauma right now. (laughs) Right. It just it's not feasible. It's not comfortable and it's not relatable. You know what I mean? But I did want to say something you were saying about just not knowing that we as a culture like need it. There's so many times where I've talked to someone who has been like just living, just living life. And they're just like, you know, I'm just I'm just making it out here. But they've been in gang violence, gang wars, been in prison many, many years. And that alone comes with its own set of trauma. Right. To have to be in a gang, to have to watch where you go to the store, to watch where you're going, you know, to pulling just go feed your kids. Light. Pulling up to a red light. Like and red no light one, to get people inside. Right. And no one <laughs> says that is some PTSD right there. Like all signs are reeking like, oh my God, this person's living a life of trauma that needs some type of treatment as far as mental health. They don't offer that. And they're not offering that to the people in a prison. They're not offering it to our children who are having cousins and brothers brothers and uncles and aunts you know what I mean shot and killed in these streets it's tough it's really really tough that's why I said if you grew up in a household where mental health was talked about even if you can start talking about or talk about it man it's a blessing because it's not something that's seen 100% I think even more to tap into that like a lot of people even when you have people that's that is like family that's in the streets but you're like somebody under and you want to do something different I think like that's where I feel it like I didn't want to be in in the streets and stuff like I wanted to play basketball I wanted to try I was like, nah, that I'm cool off that. But when when you're so close to that, people don't understand what they bring into the household. Like you can be a good kid and go yeah. to school and do what you need to do. But whenever you get home, your brother out there selling drugs or he done fought somebody or they done gotten a shootout. Now it's like, hey, I need you to watch yourself. You can't go here. You can't go there. Like people don't understand what that does to you like eternally. And then some people like I find it crazy too. Whenever I talk to people with uh, PTSD that come from these places, mm-hmm. the craziest thing is they don't even even feel comfortable leaving those places you, so you have post-traumatic tra- like when, whenever you replay it back and let them hear what mm-hmm. they saying because some people don't really like you know take into account I'm like so you mean to tell me this is how you feel on the daily whenever you leave your house yes but if I say you need a vacation out of this place you like nah this is right. all I know <laughs> Right. Like, 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 you see what I'm saying? Like, and it's, it's so hard, but it's also, it's sad too, because it shows how much their mind and their mental yes. mindset is stuck into one place. And mm-hmm. that, that's only one area. So you think it's one way of life to make money. You think it's one way of right. life to, you know, right. be successful. And that could be mm-hmm. totally wrong. You know right. what I'm saying? That could end up you in jail or you dead in other specs. But yeah, it's just, I said, especially in our culture, I just find that it's crazy that in the black cultures around the world that we don't discuss mental health at the rate that we need to. Yeah. I would say that for sure. I agree with you. Go for it. Oh yeah. So what, what, what was your biggest lesson whenever you first jumped into the nonprofit, the the nonprofit game? I'm I'm just going to be honest that a lot of people weren't as open to helping as I thought. We talk about like having sometimes you've got to reach out to those who have paved the way for their business. Like, hey, you know, how did you do this or what What should I do next? It really sucked that I've had a few people. Let me just say this. I've had a few people that I've gone to and I continue to go to within the black community that have been like outstanding people who have helped me cross my T's and dot my I's. But when I've reached out to folks who have like these agencies that are like on top of their stuff and really doing make it an impact the door was shut shut a lot of times in my face and it was just it was hurtful and it was hard because it was just like here I am I'm trying I don't know I'm the first in my family to open up a nonprofit right or and, and to do this work so it was hard to kind of reach out and not only that though but when you come from a lifestyle of being in the streets and just you know because I, I had a whole life before I got into this position and just being a drug and alcohol counselor it's hard to reach out for help it's hard to reach out for help and when you ask for help and someone's like yeah no I don't know you need to go I don't know what you got to do but we don't we don't want to talk about that right now right it almost makes it hard and difficult for you to keep asking for help so I think that was the hardest of just knowing like okay the business aspect of it 
everything's not just it's not so because you think nonprofit you like everybody wants to help with nonprofit stuff right, right um, i'm helping right. the community this should be a this should be a no-brainer but in all reality it's a business and you've got to look at it, at it from a business standpoint and there it's competitive and i thought that um i i didn't realize that i didn't realize that at the time but I think that was just the most, the hardest part for me, other than just making sure all your paperwork is in line. <laughs> right? right sure. I'm messing around with those feds, man. You got to make sure all your paperwork is in line. Man, that's crazy. Hearing that too, it's, I always find it like crazy, uh, especially like when, whenever you jump off, you know, the porch to do what you want to do, just the trials and tribulations that you go through in your business. That, but that, that doesn't make you who you are today within the business, like learning, going through those hardships mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think uh, people skip that whenever they want to do something. Like you think you want to help, but you don't know some yeah. process before yeah. you can even help. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's it, and, and it's so tough. I I found that in just in the podcasting game, like, well, what I do, like a lot of people are not going to tell you nothing. They ain't going to tell you no apps. They do do not make it easy. You got to really like get out here and then Mm -hmm. see. But whenever you start doing it, whenever you start breaking down those barriers, it feels better when you do it for yourself. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And um, another question I got as well, I know doing doing the work that you do, just like doing the work that I do, like I come in and I can speak a certain way, but also off camera, I can really hit you with the nigga. Don't play. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I, 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 I want to ask you, I, and, I, and I know there's been a time um, to where you went, spo- you went spoke to somebody and, and this is the problem that people have in today's society. Uh, people will see where you are now, but they don't know what, what it took for you to get there. So mm-hmm. you can be talking to help somebody and they looking at you crazy like, you don't even know but they don't even know your past right you know what i'm saying so let can you give a person an example of that yeah i think that a lot of times we work with a population who they're they're, they don't like to be vulnerable right and they don't like to talk Mm -hmm. about what they're going through at all so you've got to be of course you're going to come you're all the approach is always to be professional right because it's your name on the line it's your character but then there's those times where you meet a client and you're like man this this cat remind me of my mama or this person remind me of, of, a, of a family member and the conversation the dialogue will change right mm-hmm. and it's only because what you're doing in that sense is that you're being relatable. You know what I mean? I've got to allow myself to be vulnerable with you in a bit to where I can relate to you so you can actually want to hear what I have to say, right? Because we can talk the talk of, you know, and use a bunch of professional words and do all that. We call it the clinical. I can be clinical with you all day, (laughs) right? right? But that that doesn't bring me the relationships that I need to establish with my clients, right? Now, that doesn't mean that we're gonna go run amok and just be, you know, and and, and, and switch sure. up all the time. But it definitely means that I want to be able to talk to you in a way that you understand and in a way that you're like, okay, this person, I'm looking at somebody that, that reminds me of me. You know what I mean? So I think that being able, it's like being a chameleon. And I think that honestly, growing up in the in the black community, you, you get taught that type of lifestyle. You get taught how to switch it on, switch it off. You know what I mean? You just, it, it's yeah, something, sure. it becomes a skill. It becomes a yeah, skill. Real, real. You know? You gotta have a skill, and that, mm-hmm. and that, that is something that I preach to uh, people because you know counseling. Most of the field is all white. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And uh, I remember uh, just working, and uh, I was telling people like, you know, everybody has a switch, but it's actually a skill because some people might be more intelligent than me. They might have more mm-hmm. education, but they don't even have the skill to sit in this room and articulate themselves like I'm articulating myself. I'm like, they might come at you and say some of the most profound things, but it's gonna the way it's gonna come out is not going to be received you already know if you're a black man you can't have no anger energy it might be some stuff that triggered them and then they you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying so i I just find it like crazy that what other races or just people don't know is like we have to have certain skills like knowing how to turn it off turn it off that's a skill Mm -hmm. also too doing counseling i know for me it's been multiple times to where like people i'm talking to people and they're like nigga you 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 a college kid you and i'm like Mm-hmm. Where do you think I'm from? And then <laughs> because I be I be I be wanting to know their perspective before I really like you know I flip my switch like okay mm-hmm. well I'm I'm gonna just let you and then you mm-hmm. know they articulate stuff and I'm like 
Then I just listen. Yeah, it's a nigga, switch. No, yeah, I'm it's not a even from there. Don't don't do that. Look, I just know how. To, and then they like, what the yo? I ain't even. Yes, yes. You gotta understand where I'm at. What am I? You know the game. What am I? Do? Oh, okay. I'm, yes, right. yes. Yeah. But I gotta talk to you like this because we in this setting. But don't get it twisted. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's always. I find myself always in them situations when it comes to just myself because how I come mm-hmm. off like. But it, I, yeah. I really think that's funny because I know, I know you go through the same things. <laughs> yeah. And it just, I feel like if, I feel like that, I don't know, especially working with like youth sometimes, yeah. sometimes youth are like, you don't know what you're talking They A lot of people come off, they feel like you don't know. You haven't walked my shoes. You don't know what I've gone through. And, right. and I may not have gone through what you've gone through, but my own life experiences give me some type of, it, it can be, it can be somewhat similar. You know what I mean? I can understand. Mm-hmm. It gives me that empathy right and that compassion and be like i'm sorry and i and i'm here and i could walk it with you right i don't mind walking it with you for sure for sure i always tell people whenever they say that i'll just be like listen there are sides of pain if you ever lost somebody in the streets if you ever lost somebody doing this i felt that so tell me your pain and i'll tell you if, and then if i don't i'll tell you no nah, i haven't felt that but if you give me an experience of pain and i can coexist or somewhat have a thought of where i feel like i can cross that bridge then we cool we gonna get through whatever problems you got absolutely you know what i'm saying but absolutely. as far as me walking in the shoes i'm like I, no i would yeah. never walk in shoes but tell me about your pain let's talk about pain then you know what i'm saying so and i think that's where the disconnection comes from and honestly when we're working with people of color from other nationalities or other you know the professionals that we normally see right Mm -hmm. they don't they're not able to walk in that pain because it looks totally different you know what i mean and we live we have our life experiences but we're so much attached because we are black a lot of the things a lot of the similarities a lot of the things we talk about a lot of things that you know that have happened or a lot of our traditions a lot of our cultural things that we go through just sometimes they don't connect with with other cultures and that's okay but it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to connect you know to make someone feel more comfortable so that way you're not sure. being robotic and just checking boxes you yeah, know sure. <laughs> no it's crazy uh i remember i remember working and uh, i had a case and i had to work with this kid and uh, all my co all my partners or you know the people that i was working with like within my team they were uh they're predominantly white and uh the kid was mm-hmm. predominantly black this is some stuff that i wasn't even supposed to be on qualified or something but i just took a look and i was like i never said anything but i'm i'm just looking at the case just because i just want to study the case and then we can't get to him do you think that you can go talk to him and i just i just remember like walking in and and i i was talking to him but the way that i was talking to him they were like wow that was that was amazing and i'm like (laughs) dang i didn't realize whenever i first got into counseling how special just being able to articulate and bring somebody from Mm -hmm. either my race or another race but to a point to where i can articulate it and you know i'm 100 percent real cut Mm -hmm. and throat whatever and i feel like sometimes a lot of which some can i know some i know some very great therapists but some they just try to scoop into a level that is just not them personally and how it comes off they think and it's like oh no i've I did it, and mm-hmm. it's like, nah, you, your tone—that's not—that's not gonna connect with nobody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and totally. It's a—it's—it's a, it's a hard balance. It's—it's it, it's a very mm-hmm. hard balance. But that's why I feel like uh, black counselors are needed in the world so much yeah. because a lot of people are not gonna be able or even want to articulate to some people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. everybody know that mode of man. You don't even yeah. come where I come from. It's like an auto switch before you even say a word. You know, mm-hmm. so you just mm-hmm. like on thin ice. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, it's crazy. Totally. It's crazy. What is something that you would tell your future self whenever you first started your nonprofit? What's, what's some advice you would give your future self before you first even started your nonprofit? That I would have told my future self before starting mm-hmm. that just because you have a nonprofit doesn't mean that you're going to get a grant. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the truth, right? Um, and that and and to just stay at it. Don't give up. 
to stay at it, stay at it, right? And that, and that's really what it is. It's the grind of it. it you got to stay at it. You can't, you, you've got to, things will come and things will go. Your opportunities, you know, will come up and then they will go. But at the same time, you just got to stay persistent. Mm, I like that. I like that. I want to know what advice would you give to someone that, that goes through the things that you work to do, the substance and abuse? Like what advice mm-hmm. would you give to someone that's going through that? You know, if they see this clip or something and they have a substance abuse or things of that nature. I would tell them that every day they wake up, they can change. Every day you wake up, you can change, right? That is not a lost cause. What they say, Rome wasn't built in a year, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, just give yourself grace. Every day you wake up, you got a shot. Rather you take it or not, that's going to be up to you. But definitely if someone was to see this podcast, I would tell them, and they're struggling, Every day they wake up, they got a chance. So you've got to get some help. A lot of times you just, I think, and I think for us, we tell ourselves like we're so strong, right? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, yeah. we were taught to be strong and to not cry and to not show emotion and to take care of yourself and make sure everything is okay. And like, you've got to put on this facade, like you got everything together. And when you're struggling with that addiction, man, it's not together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. just not. For sure. I think just to add on to that too, you know, I would tell somebody to um, just how you wake up and you tie your shoes and it's going to be hard. Like a lot of people want to tell you like us, oh, a process is a journey. Nah, I'm going to give it straight to you. It's going to be hard. Very. Granted, it's going to be a, a journey and a process too. But like, I don't be want people to, to overduck it. It's just, it's just like counseling. Like as soon as I get to counseling, I talk to anybody, hey, you know, this is going to be hard, right? Like I, I want you to register that into your mental because some people feel like, well, if I do the work, eventually it'll go. But I'm saying it's going to be a, a hurdle. You might mm-hmm. slip and then it's going to be another hurdle. But mm-hmm. if you just continue on the path, you will yeah. be successful. But you cannot rule out of your mind that this is not going to be hard. This is not going to be tough. Oh. And, and oh. I don't mean the type of hard where you know had hard. No, this might be the hardest thing you ever had to overcome. But that's totally. the challenge to mm-hmm. get over whatever substance abuse you have. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Hard but can be done, right? Although right. you can't you can't be cured from it, but you can definitely get you some skills and get into a place where it's no longer controlling all aspects of your life. You know, but I agree with you. I, I let I let my clients know off the top. It's gonna be hard. My, when my kids ask me, Mom, what's the tattoo feel like? It hurts. Right? <laughs> right, right, right. You gotta you gotta, you gotta be direct. This journey is going to be hard because life is hard. Yeah. But what I do tell them is that when you are able to get the treatment for your substance addiction and you've got that sobriety, now you can face life with everybody else on your on the same terms. Like you could tie up your shoes and get to the running line with everybody else now. Right. Mm-hmm. During addiction, you you stuck back there, you drag and can't even come up to the race line and start with us. But now you can. And it's like you said, it's going to be hard. Life gets life is lifey, man. It gets hard. Every but, everybody going to go through hard times. Yeah. Right yeah, yeah. 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 And people sometimes think like once I get this done, it should be OK. Once I get this yeah. done, everything else should be OK. It doesn't work like that. Nah, I I think as well, too. I love how you said you you tell people it's hard as well. I think um, as far as just for people, like I be wanting them to understand that every day you take a step is a day you want. Even if you don't get to where you want to go, because it's you're laying a brick. Yeah. So it's 365 days <laughs> a year. If you, if you lay a brick every day, eventually you're going to get to 365. You see what I'm saying? That's always my mental thing okay. of talking to somebody. Oh, well, I was bad today. I didn't get the, but did, did you make the attempt to be better? And if they say yes, it's right. like, okay, you laid your brick. And now you know how many bricks you can lay in a day whenever you start getting better. I don't need to just lay one. I can lay three here. Eventually, right. until you get to whatever goal you have or that point mm-hmm. to being your best self, that is the goal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, I just find that people in life as well, too, like a lot of people want to skip the reality of hard work or the reality of hard life. Like if you don't do this, yeah. then this is going to happen. It's a, it's, it's a cause and effect for everything in life. You Make a decision that's going to come with something. If you want a goal or you want to uh, be able to live a certain way, if you sleep and you ain't working, then that, I mean, it's just going to get farther and farther. You know what I'm saying? Like that, you said like that life stuff for sure. Do you ever 
Do you ever find yourself like on your job feeling overwhelmed? And if you are feeling overwhelmed, what mental things that you have, what's your formula to get yourself back to being the best you? Yeah, no, I'm a full believer in self-care, full believer in self-care. So things get overwhelming because in this field, you've got so much hope for the next person, right? The person, whoever you're helping, you 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 end up treating this person, but this person ends up becoming somewhat a part of you somehow. And that's just the way it is. It's not just, they don't just become a number and you're just throwing it away, right? So <clears throat> you got to remember that a lot of times you might wake up and that person is has overdosed or that person has had five years of sobriety and now they're back on the lam. Kids mm -hmm. gone, you know, running from the law. So that stuff hurts. It hurts. It hurts. And it's mm -hmm. like, and you feel like you've done all this work and it's just for nothing. Somebody just mm -hmm. came and just cracked the whole glass just because of that one overdose or that one person. And I, don't get me wrong. You continue to go on and move on from that. But at the time when you've got to take care of yourself, take some time off. I'm always trying to read a good book or I got kids. So I'm with my kids and my husband a lot, you know, and we just do things that when I'm off work, I've got to remember to be off work. Right. So I just <laughs> making sure I'm not answering those text messages or, or answering those emails and just basically trying to tune out the world and just kind of focus on taking care of myself and making sure like even little stuff, like if I'm having a bad day, I'm going to go get my hot chocolate with almond milk and all this mm. stuff in it just to, just to, just right. because it feels good. You know what I mean? It, and it tastes sure. good at the time. But being able to take care of yourself, you have to because, you know, like I know in the field of counseling therapy, therapy, it's burnout. You get burnout. There, yeah, it's it's a real thing. And I see it happening more often than what people um, even know about it, right? You get, you see people all the time just, and, but they keep going because they got bills to pay or they got this to do, right? But, yeah. but what does that mean for the care that you're providing now? Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, you're not even your best self. I, I see that a lot too. And that, that's why uh, self-care is one of the main things that they preach whenever you're in this field, like, please mm -hmm. self-care, take you mm -hmm. a break, go do this. This is why they require self-care days. Yeah. And, you know, they really put an emphasis on that. And I, I just find it crazy because like some of my friends, like I'll be cooking all the time or whatever. Yeah. And they just be like, yeah, they, they like they be like, uh, like, Trey, you always doing this or you always cooking. I'm just like cooking is part of my self-care. What people mm -hmm. don't realize, I love to cook because it's it, for me, it's not just some people look at cooking as like, oh, I want a meal. I look at cooking as, oh, I get to layer a meal to make it taste to me yeah. how I want. Mm -hmm. And I can slow down. I can try yeah. new things. I could uh, like I can really go into the science of oh well if I cook this on this temperature and this like I'm I'm thinking so far into just cooking that yeah. you know what I'm saying like it's it, it's more yeah. but it's my self care you know what I'm totally. saying so totally. people are not gonna understand like how do you meal prep all the time I, I love to cook but cooking is part of my self care yeah. too that helps me for my week absolutely. So. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? That you, like, like just finding your niche or whatever. But uh, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that for sure, for sure. So since you brought up your babies, um, I want to yeah. ask you. So being a mother, what type uh -huh. of motivation do they provide you in the work that you do? Oh my gosh, so much, so much. Because the people that we work with, these are some. This is somebody's baby at one mm. point in time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So somebody's baby. So even when we get, the, especially when we're we're um. When I have like a youth on my um, on my caseload, like you know, it's um, it's hard. It's hard to not want to sometimes cross boundaries and like want to go knock on somebody's door. Like, what is wrong with y'all? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for real. You've got to kind of check your advocacy because I'm a, I'm an advocate. I will advocate for whoever you know when I when I feel like they're they've got a purpose and and they can move farther. I will advocate until I have no more breath in my body, but. Sometimes I have to check myself about that advocacy, especially with the youth, because you don't want to overstep your boundaries, you know, and it's almost like I have an idea of what I feel like should be helpful for this person. But I've got to also remember to include the caregiver's idea of what would be helpful 
and support them in that process, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So with so with my own kids, like, um, I mean, my kids now, they know so much about drug and alcohol addiction, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, but <laughs> my kids, my daughter will call me anytime. And, Mom, so-and-so's acting this way. Do you think that they're wrong? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> but I think that, I think it's important for your kiddos to know what's mm-hmm. out there, right? Yeah, and, sure. and honestly, you cannot start too early because there are 13, 12-year-olds overdosing off this fentanyl. It is serious out here. Yeah, no, no? It, it really is. It really mm-hmm. is. I think I think I preached that to, uh, I ain't got no kids, but uh, mm-hmm. like my nieces and nephews and uh, just, just like the kids that look up to me, like yeah. I don't really hold no punches and I've always been like mm-hmm. that because in life, the life, life ain't going to... You can come from all these different backgrounds. Whenever yeah. you step out in life, people are gonna say, "I really don't care," and that's the hard truth because they're gonna be like, "Everybody go through something." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. just because you a kid and you might be in a great situation right now, what parents yeah. don't realize is if you're not teaching them, then now they're on some. Oh, let me try this. It might not be that bad. Or and that and and mm-hmm. and now you're playing with fire because they don't even know what they get into. No. You know what I'm saying. So yeah. it's a. Uh, I love how you said that just with layers, because I feel like in some time and just with some people, like some people want to act like, you know, it's just the reality. Like like these kids ain't listening to the music that, that they're listening to. These people don't know these celebrity business. Like they, they'll they find out and tell you or you find out. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just the way that the world is now is crazy. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. And I was going to say, and they're very um, influenced, right? They're influenced by their oh, peers. Man. So sure. heavy so heavy that and we as parents you can't be with them 24 hours a day you're hoping and praying that they're doing you know the right things but it's the influence of other children it's great and it's great and it makes and it's it's it you know and it can veer really really quickly Mm -hmm. so you just got to be careful (laughs) no i I definitely agree with that so as a mother that that does this type of work like do y'all have like conversations within y'all kids about mental health and Mm -hmm. you know about like stress and things Mm -hmm. like that and like how do do those conversations go you know for the for the people and families that don't have these conversations right Mm -hmm. yeah i always say listen to your kids you got to listen to your kids and listen to what they're talking about, right? And to just know you got to be able to catch it. If you don't know much about mental health, um, stress, or, or, or um, you know, anxiety, depression, just some of those common ones that are thrown about, because, you know, daily, a, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of stress, and a little bit of depression is okay. But when it's coming off where your kiddo is, they just can't, they don't, they have no motivation to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at things like this kiddo doesn't want to clean their room. And I'm just saying that most people are like, this kid is just dirty. You don't, you know, but why, why do you want to live in a space where it's, it's nasty and you don't like to clean it? You know, just talking to them, having the, being able to hear them because you have to understand that many, 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 many grownups and, and a lot of people that I know come from a space where children, it's like children are to be seen and not heard. Mm. Right. And that, and that's what, how a lot of people grow up. So they don't, you know, Oh, get out of here. You grown folks is talking. Don't come here. Like that. You don't, mm. they don't take the time to listen to what these children are saying. And I'm telling you, you have a conversation with your kids. Often you can hear like, wait a minute, that that doesn't sound right, right? Just two days ago, everything was going great. You had great, great friends, and now today, you don't like this person, or this person is causing this issue, or you know what I mean. You have to listen. And I have grown kids too. That um, stress can look like you know things going on at the workplace that I know shouldn't be going on, but then I've got to support my kiddo through it and 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 give them that empowerment to say like. Hey, you got a voice. Use your voice, right? Because if not, being overwhelmed with stress will take you down. You know? Sure. Yeah. And depression and depression, especially for young men, I think that I mean young women too, but I feel like especially with young black men. They just did um, a study with even men that get divorced are ten times more likely to kill themselves. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you don't, you're not checking in and it's just, it's the simple check in, not how are you doing? You got to dig deeper than that. 
Right, right, right. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. I think as far as, especially with the young men and, mm-hmm. and like I said, it's no disrespect, but to the mothers that's out there and that they chasing these guys, they chasing these mm-hmm. men and they're bringing multiple men or they just mm-hmm. have a guy that's just totally as toxic relationship and their yeah. young son is seeing all this and he's mm-hmm. not getting the attention and the love that you would give to somebody who don't even care about you. Like they see totally. that. What yes. that does to their mental is, you know, they start mm-hmm. to resent the parent and they start to resent, you don't even love me like you love this person and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and as kids, that's what leads to the suicide. That's what leads to drugs. That's what leads to them lashing out. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, like I don't think uh, a lot of people take take a time to seeing kids, but listening to them. Because yeah. you see your kids all the time, but you, you don't actually listen to what they say. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it will... <laughs> it, it will be really crazy if you ask your kid like what do you think about me honestly and I'm not yeah. even gonna, gonna be, because yeah the, the answers that will come out if you and I, I preach that to like parents that don't get that don't get enough like attention with their kids or they feel like their kids yeah. don't open up I say you can't have a household to where you're holding it to this crazy standard and then they're scared mm-hmm. to talk to you because yeah. once that once that leaves the house and then they go to other vices mm-hmm. you you don't know who they talking to you don't know no. what, the, what those kids or those mm-hmm. the parents that they talk you don't know what they doing mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah. and it's it's That's so true. it's so so important to create an house an open household yeah. like I ain't saying like letting everything go you right, know what right, I'm saying right, but, right, right, but right. like not too much now not too yeah, much yeah yeah right right you know what I'm saying <laughs> but, but, but establishing that right foundation yeah. so that you know when whenever whenever it's kids and y'all really have that open mm-hmm. conversation policy you would rather that than you yeah. have to go snoop because what a bunch of parents are doing and right. this is the truth they gotta go through their own kids phones they gotta find these social media like I mean you know th- this is just the truth we gotta talk it about we're gonna true. talk about it because you're not listening because and then you're wondering like well, why is my kid doing this or why is my kid last yeah. year that time whenever he was this age you was messing with this person and you wasn't even yeah. giving him the t- you wasn't listening right. to him you wasn't asking him what right. he was going through in school no, you wasn't totally. noticing you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and that type of thing can shape a kid for their life not not just that opportunity because less what if they make a mistake and they get locked up what if they make a right. mistake and they fell out of school mm-hmm. or you know they get something on their record now they're they're in a different ball field within totally. life you you totally, know what I'm saying? Totally. So, and that yeah. and that's hard. And and it, like you said, just being able to listen to your kids because what initially what you're doing is you're like you talked about that foundation. Now you're setting the foundation that when your child now mm-hmm. that they are learning when they get children of their own or whatever or even friends. I hear my kids all the time. Like I just wanted to hear just to listen to them. You know, I was just there to listen. I just tell them I was there to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Right. But you are setting that foundation that it's okay. It's okay yeah. for you to t- come talk to me. I'm, yeah, I'm an authoritative figure in your life, but at the same time, I am a person. I'm human, baby, and I just want to hear what you got to say, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, too, another thing is, like, I always use this word whenever I talk to, like, my nieces and my nephews mm-hmm. and just, like, the people in my family or people that call me that really need help. I always say the word accountability. Mm-hmm. And I say accountability mm-hmm. on, on both parts because as a parent, you have a certain type of accountability. to lay that foundation to be there and also Mm -hmm. you have to hold your kids accountable to who they are not who you see them to be Mm -hmm. I say that again hold your kids accountable Mm -hmm. to who they are not who you see them to be if your Mm -hmm. kid is mad disrespectful and you gotta check him at home and he's doing that outside you can't have the mind frame of saying this lady like you you have to hold him accountable to who he is you see what I'm saying and I I feel I feel like a lot of people whenever they whenever they they're, they're they're showing their kids these days or whatever and mm-hmm. it goes to the choices of life well I have to work and I have to do this but you still have that accountability to be a parent you, you see what I'm saying oh well absolutely. well this ain't going good but you still have that accountability and, and both ways with the kids well mm-hmm. I was tired we went eight last mm-hmm. night and it was late we had dinner last night you're still accountable to go to school listen learn absolutely. and turn in your assignments like mm-hmm. we don't duck accountability because in life right. it, it's, it's going to be you know 
downhill spiral. Like you're not going to always have a perfect day, perfect time or whatever, no. because everybody lives don't coexist like that. Right. So right. When, whenever I find parents like, oh, well, we got in late last night. So I'm not, I'm, well, I'm not going to wake him up to go to school. Nuh-uh. Because if he gets right. out late and he goes out to a club mm-hmm. or something, he got to go to work in the morning. You're providing him an outlet. You see what I'm saying? And you're ducking the word that I always say, accountability. Hey, forget all that, son. Get up. You need to be up. You need to, you need to have your stuff done. So, um, yeah, I, I, t- I 100% agree with you with that for sure. Yeah, I like for it. Sure. Accountability. It's, it's a big one. And that's a lot of times when people, a lot, I feel like also that people have not been um, taught accountability. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's hard for them to kind of project that in their own household, but it can be learned. Just like I tell people all the time mm-hmm. when they're going through treatment, you know, they're like, I don't know my values or what morals, you know, I grew up like this. I was in the streets and all this and all that. And I'm like, well, this is a fine time for you to define some, right? <laughs> well, let's get going. <laughs> Man, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> nah, nah, it's been a very great episode so far. Thank you again for coming on. I, I know this no is a great one. I got, I got a couple more questions and I'm gonna let you go. Uh, is okay. there anything, is there anything you wish people understood better about mental health? <sighs> yeah, that it's a, re- it's a real thing mm. that it's real. I think that a lot of people think that people use the term mental health as a crutch or just mm. as a way to get coddled. And that's yeah. not it at all. Mental it's health totally is real. It's yeah. real. Um, it needs to be talked about a lot more than what's being spoken about it. And please, for all the people out there, stay away from that damn PHQ-9. Throw it away. Get rid of it. <laughs> I swear. I hate that too. I, I totally agree with y'all. I swear. I swear. I got a quick question for you, and then mm-hmm. and then uh, I actually want my one last one. Then we'll be done. Um, okay. What what do you look most forward with your business coming up, coming soon? Coming soon. So this year, so 2024, we just got a lot of opportunities. Apply for mm-hmm. a lot of grants, and just making our whole reform to be specifically focused on um, substance abuse and addiction, mental health um, awareness, things like that. Um, because we love helping families connect to resources. Resources, yeah. But the need um, to provide behavioral health services is much greater. And that's what I'm finding. Um, it's like um, a lot of the families. So, yeah, you, you may need help with food insecurities and X, Y and Z, but there's something much more rooted that needs help with. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just taking in. Um, just being able to focus more on behavioral health stuff. Mm, I love that. What books do you recommend people to read just on anything that that encourages growth? First of all, I love The Go-Giver. I don't remember who is the author of that one, but it's called... Yeah, the go-giver. It just made me look at life as a different perspective because I think we're always trying to like run the race. Like, I want to get it. 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 But at the same time, it's like, what follows after that? Once you got it, then what? You know what I mean? What are we doing this for? I just got a new book. One of my cousins just sent me The Power of No. Oh, right? wow. that's on my book list. I haven't. You got to get that one. The Power. Uh, of... oh, listen, because I'm mad because I, I just I, I just start, I got two new books in the, in my rotation <laughs> right now, and that got to be my third. Oh, I'm so mad. Go ahead, dang, I'm mad. Power, the Power of No. I have. I just got it, so mm. I'm gonna be diving into it. It's not a super big read, but it it, it mm. but it's something that I believe that in when you're in the field of any business that you've got to be able to accept it and and to know how to move on. I remember being a little girl, my grandma used to say, what's the worst thing somebody could tell you? No, mm. you've heard that before. That you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so. I, I, That is so funny because I remember uh, growing up and like I grew up like with my grandfather and uh, he mm-hmm. would always tell me like, you know, Trey, you're going to get a million no's before you get the right yes. And, get the uh, book. Get yeah, the- I, I swear I got to get it. I'm so <laughs> mad. I'm so mad I haven't tried, but I, I've talked that's on my book list. That's literally okay. after I read. Cause I, right now I'm reading the uh, Will Smith book, and okay. then after that, I forgot what's in my rotation. I I, I got okay. Know. Okay, get the power of no. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> I, I gotta get that. I'm so ah ah yeah. I need that. But nah, I I, I love that. I love that. I got I got a question for you. So uh, okay, your, so your husband Devastate. First off, he has a nigga name. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <dude. laughs> 
Kundu, he has a nigga name. You know he black, everybody. Ain't, it ain't nothing to talk about. That nigga, well, he ain't black as me, but he black as his name. Yeah, we, we just got to throw that out there. I, I was telling TT that she was crying. Like, like, you was a clown, but nah. It's, it, his name is funny as hell. But, and he fit his name, too, because he bulky as shit. But, <laughs> but nah. Yeah, just, yeah, man. But uh, so, like, I, I, I got this question. Uh, I, I, I love to do with the uh, women, but uh, yeah. it's like it's called it's called what's your love? Okay. And so you got to tell me your love. Like, what's the taste of it? What's the smell of it? Okay. What it looks like. Okay, okay, okay. Let me see. So, what, what's um, the taste of your love first? What does it taste like? Sweet potato pie. Mm. <laughs> I love sweet potato pie. <laughs> Everybody loves sweet potato pie. Yeah, okay. like sweet potato pie or like some good yams, or, you know? Yeah. Mm, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the smell of your love? Oh, God, I can name a million smells because I like perfume and he loves cologne, but that wouldn't even be it. I think like <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> I would think like a fresh car smell, like fresh, mm. fresh, you know, you get into a brand new car, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, I got you. I got you I got Fresh cars. Everybody knows that smell. Like, okay, that's new. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Now, what does your love feel like? It feels like a hug that you receive from a loved one that you love to death. Like mm. my grandmother, she passed away in 2010. But, you know, it just feel, it feels like comfort, you know? Mm, nah, I love yeah. that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so no, we did, we did, we did, we did taste, right? Yep, taste, smell. Feel. Taste, smell, feel. You're using all my senses. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for sure, for sure. I love the question because it's so it's so detailed, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it, but it's it's a great thing. I think it's touch, it's touch, smell. Okay, yeah. We, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> we'll go with that. Now, now, this part of the segment, everybody know what it is, is uh, the cold and the real. So I just want to say I truly, truly appreciate you, uh, especially meeting you for the first time, uh, going to dinner. Uh, I've, I've always kept and watched, you know what I'm saying? And I always okay. asked about your growth within your business and stuff. And um nice. grateful, grateful to have met you. And uh, I love the work that you're doing. I love just your approach and just your passion for the love that you do because a lot of people do things for paychecks these days so whenever I see people that do stuff and they have a passion for it makes me more happy because I would rather people be doing something they have a passion for than just doing something to collect the paycheck so I just want to tell you the work that you're doing is tremendous Uh, keep going on your journey with your nonprofit with these grants or whatever and like I said I'm just grateful to have met you and yeah so grateful that we got to do this uh, episode as well so yeah Thank you. I'm so happy that I was I was like um flattered that you wanted to interview me. I was like, me? But no, thank you. You are you're de- I've always got you 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 in my mind whenever you know, we're going around, we're talking to people and I'm like, oh, mental health, mental health. Let me call Trey. I might have to call Trey. I might, you know what I mean? It never gets yeah, to that point, but I'm sure. always thinking about you and I see sure. you doing your podcast thing. So just keep going, man. Keep going. Yeah. Good job. I appreciate it. I appreciate our connection. For sure. As well. Uh, shout out to you. Shout out to the Vasate. It's all love. You know, it's all love. <laughs> Wait, <talk to him. laughs> I just had- <laughs> I just had to throw that in there, but uh, to everybody, uh, I'll definitely have a page up. Y'all make sure y'all go follow that. She definitely has big things coming soon, and um, definitely whatever I can do to help, nice. let me know. Social media, whatever, uh, just uh, whatever, whatever to help you push your brand forward or whatever. But uh, thank nice. you for your compliments on what I'm doing and what I'm continuing to do as well. So. Thank you to everybody. We'll be back again with another episode. But for now, this is it. So peace. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye.